This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell for the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Nicola Moriarty, welcome to Better Reading. Thank you very much for having me. We've spoken before, haven't we? Yes, we have a few times, yeah. Yeah, we have. I know. Old friends. Welcome back. <laughs> Let me introduce Nicola. In between various career changes, becoming a mum and studying at Macquarie University, Nicola began to write. Now she can't seem to stop. She was awarded the Fred Rush Convocation Prize for Creative Writing and Literary Criticism in Australian Literature and has also churned out one bestseller after another, including the fifth letter, Those Other Women and The X. Bestsellers seem to be a dime a dozen in her family. (laughs) Nicola's older sisters are authors Leanne and Jaslyn Moriarty. With the release of her latest thriller, which is the book we're talking about today, You Need to Know, Nicola firmly takes her place as one of Australia's top authors and certainly a favourite of ours. You really are. Our readers adore you. Oh, thank you. That's lovely. (laughs) Well, I think family stories resonate, don't Mm -hmm. they? Yeah, I guess so. Complex family stories as well. So firstly, tell me about the book and then I'm going to go back and just talk about how you came to writing. Yeah, sure. Um, So the newest book, You Need to Know, opens with a car accident on Christmas Eve and then there's the realisation that there's several members of the same family have been in this car accident and then it goes back in time in the lead up to Christmas to explore the lives of the family members and to hopefully figure out who has caused this tragic car accident and to eventually find out the fallout from the car accident and see who has and hasn't survived. There are so many books about family dramas and each one is as compelling as the next very often. You know, you pick them up and you think, oh, no, not on a family drama. <laughs> but they are unique because families are unique. And that really, it's not atypical that a family's going to have complications. But I think more and more they're becoming more complex. And so when I'm reading a book like yours, like you need to know, you want to think, oh, God, that can't happen. But it can happen. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I suppose that's what makes them, uh, makes people want to read them. The fact that, yeah, it's something that could happen. And then at the same time, you can read it and feel safe and comfortable in the fact that it hasn't happened to you. But yeah, I guess there's relatability of it. Uh, And yeah, as you said, there's so many family drama books. I sometimes feel the same way when I sit down to write one because I think, what else can I say? But you're right, every family is different. So there's, you know, endless 
issues. It's so unique, isn't it? Um, Friends of mine, and this has happened to me a million times, you're at a dinner party or a party or something and you say that, you know, you're working books and then all of a sudden people think you're a publisher (laughs) and then all of a sudden people are telling you about their desire to write. So that probably happens to you too, right? Yes, yep, it does, yep. (laughs) It happens to me. And then people will say to me, they'll pitch a plot, right, and they'll say, don't tell anyone. (laughs) Right, okay. And I said to someone recently, I've got a dog called John Brown. I said, you could write a story about Cheryl and John Brown and I could give you that story, you that subject, you that subject, you that subject, and every story will be unique. Yes, completely different for sure. For sure, even if it's about the same characters because that's the beauty of fiction, that the truth is in the person writing it. It's not about the person writing it, but it's in the making of who you are, isn't it? Yeah, I agree with that totally. Um, because I've worried in the past about, you know, when I've had a subject matter that I've wanted to write about, I've worried, has this been done before? Is there something else out there like this? But yeah, I've come to realise you can have hundreds of books on the same subject matter, but it's okay because they'll all be completely different. Completely, completely. Mm. And, I, and I think even an author can't write the same book twice. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, wouldn't you? You know? Yeah. Um, so it's really unique. Okay. So tell me, I guess you hear this a lot being the sister of Leanne Moriarty, but what is that's unique in itself, right? <laughs> what is unique is that virtually this is more unique that almost all of you are writers. Tell me about yeah. your family. Well, I love it. I love having sisters as writers. So because, do I. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't, my sisters aren't writers, but <laughs> I love having sisters. <laughs> um, yeah, because I get to go to them for advice and, you know, winch to them, complain to them, celebrate with them, all of that kind of thing. But there's six of us, six children in the family, so only half of us are writers. So, yeah, only 50%. Um, (laughs) You know, but then the other sisters, I've got one sister who doesn't write who is an excellent proofreader. So all of us now will give the final copy to her and she'll be the one to pick up on, you know, something that's missed. And there's another sister who doesn't write, but who, if you give her a book to read, she will always give you her honest opinion. So when she comes back and says it's great, you feel really good because you know that she's not just going to say that unless she means it. So Because sisters don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My sisters yeah. don't do yeah. that. Not about writing about anything. I'll give yeah. them something to taste, for instance. Like, oh, that's all. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a good point. But, yeah, no, it's just nice. So I get to kind of share in the writing with the other sisters and then with Leon and Jackie being writers, I can call them in a panic and say, I've um, been sent these new edits and I'm worrying about these changes to the book. And, you know, even with this book, um, towards the end, I had a panic with the last round of changes and they read it really quickly for me because I was just, I've got it due back in a few days. Can you help me out? They were both on deadlines themselves, but they both stopped, read my book, came back to me and went, don't stress, this edit's fine, this edit's fine, maybe push back on this. You know, it was just nice to have somebody to go to. to Yeah. yeah That's just, a great resource, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. so tell me growing up, tell me how you, how 50% of you came to writing. <laughs> how did that happen? 
Uh, I think. How do you breed writers? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know exactly. I know that we were all big fans of reading. I know that my dad loved to make up stories. So he wasn't an actual writer, but he would love to, you know, tell tall tales and things like that or make up a story. And then I suppose me being the youngest, I would have my elder sisters making up stories for me. So it kind of got passed down in that way. So I would have sometimes, like when I was young, Leanne, if she was telling me a bedtime story, instead of reading a book, she'd make something up and she'd make me the star of the story. And it was just the most amazing thing because it would be this amazing adventure story and I'm, you know, the star of it. So I thought it was the best. And then I had uh, one of my other sisters, Katie, she would read me uh, Enid Blyton books. But while I was learning to read, the deal would be I read the first page and then she reads the rest of the chapter to me as my reward for having, you know, learnt to read basically. So, yeah, it was definitely a very bookish household. We all loved escaping into books. So I'd say that would be a big part of it. Definitely part of it. And your parents encouraged it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They were yeah fans of reading and books and telling stories. So mm. I was um speaking to an Indigenous writer the other day, Adam Thompson. I'm an incredible guy, and he's written his first book. And I don't know how old he is, maybe forty. And he said it was his first book, but he said he'd been a storyteller forever. Mm. He's been telling stories for a long time, and it made me think of there's so many cultures that you know that don't put pen to paper but are wonderful storytellers. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, yeah, it means it's it's all there, the ability to tell a story, and that's mm. yeah, that's beautiful. And it's a beautiful book, actually. So talk to me about, so when you went to high school, did you think at that stage that, that, that you wanted to be a writer? Like when did it become really serious for you? So not as far as serious, not until much later. When I was little, like even primary school, I had this idea that I wanted to be a writer, but I wanted to write and illustrate children's books. That's what I right. thought I was going to do when I was little because I remember in primary school we had a project to do where we had to make our own little story and I illustrated it and the teacher um got me to stand up in front of the class and read it to the class. And I remember being really proud and thinking, oh, wow, you know, she thinks it's good. So this is what I want to do. And then as I got older, I slowly realised I wasn't very good at drawing. So, you know, writing and illustrating books might be difficult. And throughout high school, uh, English was my favourite subject and definitely the creative writing side of that was what I loved. But then towards the end of high school, I stopped thinking about being a writer because it seemed like a fantasy career, like an impossible thing. I didn't really know how do you go about it? How do you do it? And I left school. Were your sisters published then? Not yet. Um, Jackie's first book, or maybe right as I finished high school, might have been as she was doing her first book, I think. Right. Okay. Uh, So yeah, it wasn't until a bit later when first Jackie got published. And even that seemed like, how did she do that? How did she write a book? It seemed still impossible, you know, a few years later than Leanne's first book. And then it's suddenly like, hang on a second, maybe I should 
try this. Maybe it's not the impossible dream anymore because I'm seeing it happen right in front of me. So I think that was when I started to, and as well as that, the fact that I didn't settle into any career, I just kept jumping from job to job to job. I never seemed to find the right fit. And so I just thought, you know, I just wanted to start writing again. And so I sat down and started writing what I thought would just be a short story. And that short story, when I finished it, I thought this doesn't feel like the end of a short story. It feels more like the end of a chapter. And so, yeah, so I just kind of kept going, but with this sort of in the back of my mind going, maybe this is going to get towards a full book. Maybe it won't. Maybe if I tell myself that that's not what I have to do, I'll just keep going, you know, without the pressure of it, I guess. Mm. So did you tell your sisters that you were writing? I think I did maybe about a third of the way through. I probably said to them that I was, you know, working on something that I was hoping might end up being a book. And I'm trying to remember if I got them to read anything at the start or if I was too nervous to. I think I was too nervous to let them read anything until it was finished. And it took me about three years to finish it because, you know, there was no deadline or anything. It was just, but yeah, then I, then I showed it to them once I was finished and that was terrifying. Mm. And then as well, when they came back and they said nice things about it, I didn't trust it at all. I was thinking, you're just being nice and you're secretly thinking, oh my God, you know, this is awful. But yeah, so it wasn't, and you know, and I held off trying to send it off somewhere to get published for quite a while as well, because I think I was afraid of the rejection. So I had friends read it, had my mum read it, had my husband read it. I've kept kind of, you know, delaying and delaying um, before I finally gave in and sent it to um, a um, literary agent first. And that took months before I heard back from her. But I remember that first email back from her saying, yes, it's good, was just such a big shock because it was the first time it was somebody who wasn't friend, who wasn't family, who was actually in the industry saying, yes, you've got something here. And I was, yeah, Yeah, static. Did you write at all before that? Like were you dabbling at high school? Were you... Yeah, lots of short stories. I hadn't really tried an actual novel before, but prior to that, yeah, it was more about short stories or articles I wrote out of school and a little bit of poetry, things like that. But yeah, prior to that first novel, I'd never really, uh, I think once I did try to write a bit of a thriller and I managed to get 10,000 words of that before I went, I don't know what I'm doing with this. And and got rid of that. That was the only other sort of attempt. Yeah. Yeah. So you you've got no formal training in a way that you didn't do a creative writing course or um halfway through so around the time that I was writing the first novel was when I also decided to start studying at uni and I was studying to be a high school teacher. And I was studying um it was going to be a major in English. And then when I got that publishing deal for the first book and I realized that maybe I was going to be able to make a career out of this and at the same time discovered that I was doing well in the English subjects as uni not as well in the education side so I switched my major to a writing major at that stage so no training prior to the first novel but then while I was working on the second novel I was still finishing off my degree at uni and and I had it changed to the writing major and I found that really helpful for um 
trying out different types of writing because, you know, all the different writing subjects at uni meant I got to explore more of the different types of creative writing and of the nonfiction writing as well. And I felt that that really helped to sort of grow my writing abilities. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I mean, we talk about this often on this podcast. It's all practice, isn't it? Mm. But when you're practicing as well as studying, that must be really useful, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I really enjoyed it because it just opened me up to, you know, sometimes I'd do something, uh, a subject where I'd have to write something in fantasy, which isn't my thing, but it opened me up to something new. And so yeah. it was great to just try completely different genres. Does your sister write fantasy? Does Jasmine write Yeah, fantasy? Jackie, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she does. Yeah, she's, she can write anything. Yeah, because I think I've read a couple of her earlier books actually and she writes kids and YA, doesn't she? Yes, yeah, and yeah. adult as well actually. She's written right across, um, yeah. yeah, from yeah middle grade, YA, adult as well, um, some within fantasy or magical realism and then some yeah. real-world drama too. She's very versatile. It's um, interesting how you find your genre, isn't it? Mm. Like did you think your genre came from your your own lived experience growing up in a family or your own family now? Oh, um, I think, well, my first book was definitely more about my life then and there because I wrote it my very first novel is you know the main character is the same age as I was then she's got a fiance whereas I'd just gotten married I think and her group of friends there was all lots of similarities with my life right then and I think as well because like I mentioned I'd tried once before to write a thriller and went I don't know what I'm doing with this and dumped it whereas when I sat down to write this what I thought would first just be a short story. It was just, it was about a a woman on the day after her fiance has died. And I think it was just literally my husband was running late coming home that day. And I just suddenly started imagining, oh, what if something's happened to him? He was fine, but it just, you know, spiraled in my head and went, instead of sitting here worrying about it, I'll sit down and write about it. So that's sort of where the original idea came from and it just grew and grew from there. So, yeah, and and I think I realised as well, oh, that's a lot more natural for me, writing these real-life, everyday drama kind of stories suits me more and it suited me more as well to write the kind of story that I knew would be the type of book I'd like to read. 
And do you think, because, you know, I mean, you might not be able to answer this because you can't look into the future, but do you think as a fiction writer, you grow older with your stories? Yes. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. I already, yeah, I already have been throughout. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's interesting, isn't it? Mm, yeah. I can't seem to help it. If if I was to sit down now to write my main character as a um you know, 25-year-old, I don't know, I think people who are 25 now lead very different lives to what I led when I was 25. So it would take quite a bit to get to know what their lives are like. You know, I was in my 20s dating without social media, you know, it was only just coming around then. So the world is so different now. So it makes more sense to me to, you know, I'm just sitting down now to start on the next book idea and all of a sudden my character's almost 40 because I'm almost 40. So they they keep growing with me, you know, and then obviously I try to have the odd other character at different stages of their life and I try to think back, like in You Need to Know, I've got a woman who's got newborn twins so it had to take me back a bit okay what was it like when my kids were newborn babies and remember all of that so yeah it is quite interesting the way it just happens naturally and tell me about your writing uh, habit I guess work I, I was speaking to Isabella Rolande the other day and she was saying that you know she just starts writing January the 8th there's no creativity in terms of applying herself of course there's so much creativity in writing but she it's a job and she said January the 8th she starts she starts writing at 9am and she finishes at 7pm and she does that you know four or five days a week oh wow Um, yeah that's exceptional discipline isn't it it is Um, but you know her children are grown up so what how do you approach it I wish I had that discipline so much. I really keep trying to make myself be more disciplined and have more of a plan, but so far it hasn't worked for me and I'm very sporadic. I I like to leave the house where possible and I do it in little bursts. So I might go to a cafe, sit down and have a coffee and do an hour or two of writing and then I need to do something else and come back to it later and And I'm different at different stages of the book as well. So with the very start of a new book, if I'm still struggling to kind of figure out uh, what the idea is and how it's going to go, then there'll be days where I'm not writing. I'm just thinking it through. But if I'm say about, you know, halfway through or two thirds of the way through and I'm getting, you know, the plots kind of really building up and I'm getting excited, then I'll want to sit and write nonstop. But I've never been able to be the nine to five, treat it like a proper full-time job because I just, I don't know, I just don't seem to have that discipline I get Mm. distracted easily so yes I guess it's a different energy too isn't it I tend to think with writers too and you you know a lot of writers don't give themselves credit for this but there's putting the pen to paper if you like but there's Mm. also that formulation of thinking about it like continually yeah and that's yeah and that's where often for me the best solutions come from just when I'm doing something completely different driving especially for something mindless like you know you're in the shower or you're driving or whatever and you know the problems with the plot might be ticking over and ticking over because you know if I am say halfway through and I go how is this all going to work out I don't know or, or there's some plot hole that I've got to patch up 
that's when it will suddenly come to me when I'm, yeah, or falling asleep at night as well when you're just lying in bed and then you just have to be careful that you don't fall asleep and wake up in the morning and go, what was that wonderful solution I came up with? It's gone. Um, <laughs> so have you got the bedside yeah, paper? Yeah, paper? yeah, try to do that. If I yeah. if I know that, if I think, no, this is good, I need to remember this, then I'll turn the light back on and, and write it down. But, yeah, uh, I agree a lot of the best parts come from being away from the computer and and just letting it just tick over until something suddenly. And do you think your children are going to be writers? <laughs> they both love reading and uh, and both enjoy writing. I think the eldest one at the moment is definitely more into it and talks about wanting to be a writer and talks about wanting to write novels. Um, sometimes she'll say things like, "Oh." Uh, I might I might write a book this weekend and I'll think this weekend you'll write a book and <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> just yeah. fit that in yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right um but yeah so they definitely both love reading and writing so yeah we'll see it'd be nice I'd love oh, it you'd like it, it yeah I think yeah. I'd enjoy it if it now I want to know before we finish up I want to know so at family functions at the half the 50 percent that don't write do they do you guys kind of, is it like, you know, talking shop the whole time and they're like rolling their eyes? <laughs> no, I think it's not too bad because when we all get together, we have so much that we want to talk about and there'll definitely be bits and pieces where we get into the writer side of thing. But, you know, there's there's too much else going on that we don't stay on it for too long. Mm-hmm. And then obviously Leanne's got the really exciting stuff like, you know, if she's uh, like the most recent one, nine perfect strangers being filmed up in Byron Bay not too long ago so then we all want to know about that everybody wants to know what was this actress like and this actress and was it like visiting the set so has Nicole Kidman been to lunch yet to family not not with the whole family Leanne (laughs) keeps keeping her to herself and we all keep suggesting that Nicole might like to come to Christmas lunch exactly and why not hasn't happened I know yes I can see I can see her rocking up in Kellyville yes (laughs) (laughs) we all talk about hiding in Leanne's cupboard ready for Nicole's next visit but yes she she keeps those uh visits to herself it's extraordinary I think too you know the family story uh that you guys have but also I I really do feel a sense a genuine sense unless you you guys are really good at hiding it but you know (laughs) when I've talked to the others in the family there really is a beautiful warmth about you girls thank you isn't there you know yeah yeah lovely I mean yeah obviously obviously over the years there's been the sibling madness that you get um but yeah no we're we are a close family and I do feel yeah very lucky to have them yeah and as well as that as big having um five sisters all together uh it means that if one has annoyed you you can go to the other one yeah it's fine that's right well as I said I've got I've got four sisters and a brother Have you got a brother? Yeah, that's right. It's the same. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you've Four got sisters and a brother as well. Same. So, so you, what does your brother do? He's not a writer. No, he's not a writer. No. So uh, he's yeah. that's never been something that he's been interested in. <laughs> no. And you're the baby of the family, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I'm the baby. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm not. But like, my brother is the baby in the family, and he's a beautiful person because of it. I think. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah well, I was meant to be a brother for my brother because they'd had the four girls, then they had him, oh. and they went. We finally got a boy. We'll have one more, so we can have one more boy, boy for him. And then I came along and said, no. 
<laughs> they didn't work it out properly. Yeah, no. <laughs> and mum always said, oh, I was secretly happy to have another girl. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> yes, well, you've got to take that actually. Yeah. Um, okay, so you're walking, working on something next? Yes, so I'm working on, I'm still only at outline stage. I've sort of written a first example chapter to kind of run it by the publishers and, and see if they're happy at the moment. It's sort of opening with a woman lying on on the floor saying being dead is not going to be great but you know while I'm lying here I'm going to use my last few however many minutes or hour I've got left I'm going to use it to figure out who killed me <gasps> so wow. that's my that's my opening of my next book um yeah, wow. and so yeah that's as far as I've gotten <laughs> and you when you finish a book you just leave it behind don't you is that is that right yeah just, yeah yeah, pretty much. You have much. to, don't yeah. you, I guess? Yeah, and I do often find that it's it's a bit of a surprise when a new book is coming out and I'm doing these kind of, you know, publicity things, I suddenly go, oh, I've got to shift my mind to that book instead of to the next one that I'm working on because I've already moved on and I suddenly have to go, oh, let me get back to those characters and remember them and and I need to get a better spiel for the uh, book description down because I always forget that I should plan ahead for that and have something yeah. ready to go so I can describe it easily without going, um, um. Well, <laughs> can I tell you this, Nicola? You're in good company because almost every author I speak to says the same thing. Oh, and some authors say to me, oh, I didn't know you were going to ask me about the book. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was. <laughs> so the first thing we often remind, particularly when we're doing the Facebook Live, We've got to remind the author to speak about their book. Another thing authors hate doing is holding their book. Oh, yes, yeah, holding it in that awkward. um, Yeah, yeah. yeah, They don't love that. And it's like, well, hang on a second, the reader loves that. They don't know who you are, but they know who your book is very well. Yeah, and you want them to recognise that cover and and hopefully, yeah, pick it up. Well, congratulations, my dear. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. Thank uh, the you. new book is out now. It's called You Need to Know. Thanks so much, Nicola. Thanks for having me. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere, or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBookstore. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com code SUMMER. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.